0: Michigan sports, Red Wings, Lions, Tigers, Pistons, Michigan, Michigan State, and the list goes on. And you love beer. Love beer. Who doesn't? What if we mixed the two together? This is State of My Sports. We'll talk everything Michigan sports like only we do. And then we'll down our fair share of beer from a local brewery. Grading the beer throughout the episode. So pop a cold one on your end and we'll get busy on ours. This is the state of my sports.
1: And this is episode 164. We are recording live at the Hops Brewing Company and Cafe here on July 11th, 2022. Uh, during our Beer Flight segment, we're going to discuss the Summer bat, summer League and NBA, um, along with, I, I got a Detroit Lions topic that I wanted to get onto. I'm going to put you guys on the spot with that. It'll be kind of fun. Um, and then with the NHL draft behind us, uh, we will discuss what Iserman did during the draft and a trade that he made, um, talk about some potential free agents potentially, um, as it starts on Wednesday, I don't know if I'm gonna get into that too much. We'll see how quickly we can get through the draft. But um, and since we didn't record last week, we have uh, some NCAA realignment to dig into. I know it's kind of old news, but it's still cooking. I mean, it's still new. Um, still a lot of moving parts. We got to get our thoughts on there. Uh, during our betting hero segment, we're gonna have our British Open uh, mock or British Open draft, not mock draft. We're not mocking that, but just the draft. <laughs> Um, where we pick our, our winners and all that good stuff. John will win, and it'll be really fun. And, of course, we'll grade some Michigan beer from the Hops tonight. If you're joining us live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Twitch, let us know and be part of the conversation in the comments. Uh, tell us where we're right and where we're wrong, and, and just let us know your thoughts, I guess. That's the, that's the point of the, the comments, right?
2: Yeah, interaction.
1: I feel rusty. It's been, right. a, it's been a week. Yeah, it has. We took the <laughs> week
2: off, and I expect Micah to be on uh, on the comments. I would right? assume.
1: I mean, usually he forgets we do this thing when he's not here. So yeah, he's he would never, never do that. The comments. No, you would always be on the comments. I, I sure. actually
2: was the last time I wasn't on. Were was, you really? Yeah, I was all over comments. I
1: didn't know that. Yeah, John, why weren't you reading the comments, man? <clears throat>
2: Yeah, I don't don't think
1: it's true. I don't don't think I was adding value. That's the problem. (laughs) Well, neither does Jarrett, and we read his comments. Yeah, that's basically Uh, who I was talking to. No, that makes sense. Um, Before we jump in, I did want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors to help keep this thing rolling and free for our listeners. Um, Dobbs Brewing Company and Cafe is the official brewery state of my sports. Mac Mac Web Design helped us get our website up and running, and Betting Hero helps us, and you get the best promos available in the sports betting world. I am Sam Waltart. With me today, we got Ryan Waltart and John Dornboss. Um, How was your guys' two weeks, I guess, really? I mean, 4th of July is over, technically, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's still man, here. It's we haven't talked about that. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while. Yeah, it has. We didn't record last week because it was the holiday. So, did you guys have a good good week off? John, what'd you do? Man? Yeah, I mean... You didn't even <coughs> show up to the party, even though I invited you.
3: Well, last Monday, had we recorded, I would have been worthless. Um, it was <laughs> a long day of <laughs> floating down the river up north and got back into town quite late. So, uh Tuesday was still recovering you yeah. know, from a long, uh, a long weekend. One of my favorite holidays of all time. Yeah. Obviously, um, look forward one. to the Fourth of July every summer and just spend time with family and friends. And yeah, drank way too many Bush lights.
1: Is that what you, is that what your choice? Uh, drink of choices when you are floating. Yeah, something light. Yeah, sometimes. How, how, quick, how many do you drink during that? So it's like what two and a half hours of floating, or is it longer now? No, that?
3: we we usually go on like a four to five four. hour float. Yeah, how m- can depending, can you
1: on you bring enough. Or do you have like a pit stop that you can buy more?
3: No, I just <laughs> I pack a cooler full. Of, like, no, <laughs> no, no, no ice. He
1: brings enough. Uh, yeah. No ice because he no can make room.
3: Yeah, well the river is pretty cold too, so oh, you can dangle true. a few over into the water and they stay nice and cold. So, garden, so. do
1: you know roughly how many you drink?
3: I mean, I've <laughs> I've had those days, you know, where I don't <laughs> remember how many I drank. That's usually up there in the 15s to 20. Like, yeah, you can. I throw I I
1: I could have kept, kept up with that. I think this the holiday weekend not, i drank a s- lot that weekend especially on a nice like know, it was a week before a actually, nice sunny sorry. you know yeah. n- a
3: nice sunny calm day you're floating down the river you're not going yeah. too fast uh when the weather's nice you're stopping quite a bit too to eat snacks and yeah. hang out along the way um that's cool but if it's one of those days where it's power hour it's a, f- a few per hour and, <laughs> yeah um yeah you're always getting back and shaking out the kayak trying to get all the empty cans from out from on the inside <laughs> it's always a fun task but
1: Nice. Ryan, how was your couple weeks there? Really maybe even longer. When was the last time you were on here? Yeah, just a
2: couple weeks. Were you? Yeah, I was back. Come on. Even I, more kind of, I can't huh? remember anymore. I can't yeah, keep no, anything straight. I, I had my hiatus and I'm I'm back. Um it's back and better never. Well, yeah, last week it was great. I mean it was a lot of parties. It was like Friday night we had something, uh with the whole family went and and drinking and everything else. Saturday spent all day on the sailboat, uh went on the big lake and everything, and they came back and watched fireworks from the boat. Sunday, I don't even know. It was just, it was just a. Uh, oh, we spent <laughs> all day at the beach. Day? No, oh, Sunday no. Oh, I think we spent right. all day yeah. at the beach, and then Monday, yeah, we went to 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 your it's party and house. yeah, I yeah, had a great time. Yeah, you good. you didn't uh, have so many though.
1: I didn't. I, you know what? Last weekend, it was it last weekend. It was yeah. when the, yeah. I didn't drink that much. Yeah, it was like took, everybody was sober by. I took eight. Friday and Saturday off completely, and then Sunday I think I had a. I might have took Sunday off too actually, and then Monday I had a few. Not much, though. Yeah. I, was, I don't know. I'm just trying to, trying to cut back a little bit. I had a, we, we had a week off you. from softball, so that makes it a little easier. It's so like, all right, so I didn't drink from Monday. Or, I might be getting this all confused. We had this week off from softball. I don't know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, Last Thursday. Last Thursday. So I don't know what I'm talking about. But Whatever. I, I just I needed a break, and I, I took a nice little break. But Good for you. Yeah. Um. Let's get into our beer introductions, which is a little different today because we're not drinking beer. We are drinking... The Black Talon, is that what it's called? Where is that on here? It's their... Uh, yeah, it's Black Talon, Seltzer. Right? Yeah, it's their seltzer. Here it is, right here. It's a hard seltzer, which is 5.2% alcohol by volume, made with 104 calories premium house-made hard seltzer. They have a Moscow Mule lemon-lime margarita, Mai Tai, <laughs> these are all different than what we actually saw down there. Okay, um, <laughs> but th- n- none of these were there today. Yeah. Uh, maybe this is an old one. But uh, guava passion fruit, I think that's what we're drinking today, right? Pomegranate. Pomegranate, you're right. We're drinking pomegranate. <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking. Yeah, today. this is probably
2: expired. You think so? <laughs> no, I mean I don't know. You just found everything that is not on the menu. Yeah, well,
1: this is probably that's probably th- th- yeah th- that's probably fresher than this that. is old. Yeah. yeah, but what do we got? What are we drinking?
3: Pomegranate. Pomegranate.
1: <laughs> What do you think so far? I mean, so what they do is they have their, their base, 5.2% alcohol, and then you pump whatever flavor you want in and stuff like that. Uh, Carrie and my mom, I know they, they just do it with, like, lime or lemon or something like that. So it's just the f- the blank sheet, like, no <laughs> flavoring and stuff like that. That's what they do. Oh, really? And it's actually pretty good. They order it like that on purpose? Yeah. Just or the, they just do it at home? No, like, they order it when they're here. Um, what do you think about that so far?
3: It's pretty good. Really smooth. It's got smooth. some good flavor, right? Yeah. I like it enjoyable.
1: Kyle jumping in already in the comment. Head to the basement and look for mug twenty six. All right, we're not doing that again. <laughs>
2: we already tried. Yeah, one time
1: too many. Yeah,
2: we, we really did. Just a perfect amount. Just just one.
1: Yeah. Um. Well, before we jump into our the hops beer flight segment, I want to remind everyone that the hops brewing company and cafe uh, is serving incredible food and pouring some of the best craft beer in West Michigan. Chef Dan. Revamped food menu and head brewer Ben's rotating taps, wine, and ciders make the hops perfect for whatever you have going on. From dinner with the family, late-night drinks with the friends, and everything in between, the Ben and Dan duo is putting a ton of their time and energy at making the hops a staple in the West Michigan restaurant community that we highly recommend to our friends and listeners. They have Taco Tuesday, Stein Night Wednesday, Thursday any burger and beer for 15 bucks, along with some unbelievable specials on Fridays and Saturdays. We highly recommend following them on Instagram and Facebook. Where they share their weekly specials and some incredible food and beer pictures that will make your mouth water. The Hops is the official brewery of say to my sports in 2022, and if you mention say to my sports, you get a nice little discount off of your first beer. So we're jumping into our flight segment. So what this is for the first time listeners, we all come up with our own little topic here, and we just have a good time with just quick shooter. Quick topics. Quick 15-minute topic. We'll try um, before we get into the core of the episode. It's just kind of a fun way to kind of touch on some stuff quickly. So, John, did you come up with one uh, or are you just... Well, I was going to ask
3: if if the core of the episode is uh, Kyle's comments, because uh, once again, the weekly message comes through. <laughs> word for word, text doesn't change. Usually the time off by a minute or two. That's a uh, copy and paste. Yeah, That's copy copied and paste. all week long, yep. ready for this. He's got yeah. it waiting in his comment browser. But uh, <laughs> Can you yeah. pin comments to us? Because it should be just
1: pinning up there. <laughs> yeah.
3: Your comment's a big fan of the show, you know. I'll give it a star, but... Also, Yankees, he's not lying, though. Yeah, the Yankees they, still look hot. This, they they year, actually, didn't strong. they blow
1: a lead to the Boston in the... In Sunday night baseball, I heard. I thought I heard that I like didn't a even home know. run over the Green Monster and hit a car too, wow, like on the other really? side. Yeah, made some did some damage. I think they lost that one, right, Kyle? But, uh,
3: well, since we're doing yeah, just a quick little hitter here on the on the flight topics. I, I guess it's you can't go without uh, mentioning uh, Miguel Cabrera making the All Star team. Ooh, I like that for what fifteenth yeah. time, sixteenth time I think in his it's career. Twelve. Yeah, no. I'm not sure to 12? be honest with okay. you. Okay. Um, regardless, uh, I get. He didn't win anything ballot-wise. He wasn't getting votes, but he was voted in by, what, Manfred, right? Yeah, he so, like, to send two, like it's
1: something new this year that he gets to pick one player from each league to, to put in the all-star game, which I found it interesting. So, Albert Pujols went in the NL, yeah, and he picked Cabrera, which, I mean, it makes sense for your first time doing it, but if he's going to do it for Cabrera, it should be next year, right? Because that will be his his final year, uh, allegedly, or No. I thought that's what they're saying, but maybe I think it's just the theme. They they get they brought Pujols
2: in This is their opportunity to throw Cabrera on the on the game too, and they're celebrating milestones. It's yeah. like the theme of of the All Star Weekend. Okay, it's just record breaking milestones and and career achievement.
1: Which I mean, nothing against Cabrera making that for career achievement, but I also think he was probably the guy that should have got it for the Tigers because obviously one player gets it from each team. No, I don't want. I mean, out of our offense, out of our there's, offense, there's for a really sure.
2: strong case. Yeah, but we have we have pitchers that have been dealing. And, yeah, and I mean, Soto Soto ended up Soto ended up it. getting it. Yep, he deserves it. Yeah, his number in a row. Yeah, um, and then I thought Fulmer could have. He definitely could make have make some noise. I mean you that. could take a pick in our bullpen but the, the you know the closer gets all the reward in the end and they get, they get all the like the press yeah. from the outside cuz they have the, the save number right next to their name but I mean you look at up and down our bullpen and a lot of those guys could have made it.
1: Do you know when the All-Star game even is? Like usually I, I know but like I feel like we have two Still. tonight's game and then two more with KC and then do we have one more I think I, I think thought it was this weekend coming up. But. Well, it's usually in the week. I think it's probably like next week Tuesday or something like that. I bet you the home run derby's Monday and then like the, the games Monday. Tuesday or something yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, good for Cabrera. I, I think he deserves it. I think he deserved it for what he's doing this year and for the lifetime achievement. And I kind of like the lifetime time achievement thing, just because when you're getting votes, like just because his you know the sizzle's gone with Cabrera, doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve it. So he kind of gets that opportunity, even though he's, like, a Tiger wouldn't have gotten a vote, period. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, like it's he, just where the Tigers are at. And then you get, like, so many teams just stuff in the ballot box. It's not even legitimate all-star team anymore. No. And, and first of all, I kind of liked when they did played for home field advantage in the all-star game. I loved that. For the, for, that for, was terrible. I thought it was a great idea. I <laughs> think it made awful. it legit, but you didn't make it legit in other ways like you still had the ballot stuffing. Like I think Kansas City one year had 8 out of the 9 starters or something like that. It's like that's just that's just Astros. Not, yeah. Astros did it for years. And that's why I think it's good that they got rid of it, but I loved the intrigue of of actually doing it for Home Field Advantage. I thought that was kind of a I thought it was a cool idea. But
3: Yeah, if I'm Soto, I'd probably like decline my, you know, a, a all-star game appearance and give it to Miggy, you know. A class move like if if had had Cabrera he not yeah it. had he not made it off of uh manfred's selection yeah
1: it'll be interesting to see if he does it again next year though like when his last year is if he's going to get that yeah kind of treatment there the the, the, All-Star game, if you will.
2: the all-star game for a long time like when when we were growing up i feel like in the 90s and the early 2000s there were a lot of Old timers that would make an all star team, even though they their numbers didn't back it up. Yeah. So that that's oh, for where sure. I oh, think there's also an opportunity. If let's just say Cabrera got it this year and stole somebody else's spot on the team, then this is a good way for you know the commissioner to be able to just handpick. No, nah, no, nah, nah, this guy deserved it more yeah. than everybody else. Kind
1: of looking to talking about the all star thing with with Soto. Do you think having all star next to his name will make him more intriguing? At a trade deadline, potentially. And I'm not saying I want to trade him because I know we, are, we still have control of him and he's cheap. And yeah. you can play that game of, but like having back to back All Star next to his name, does that make him a little more valuable? <laughs>
2: Do you think? It, it does. It does if you're a franchise that's trying to sell tickets and trying to sell jerseys and everything else. Or like selling, he's more the, marketable.
1: selling a, a franchise of saying, we're go- we went for it, we traded for a two time All Star. Or in that at the deadline, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's a big thing too. Like just knowing, like if Alavila went out and traded for a two-time All Star, like it just feels good. Yeah, <laughs> it just like gets that you. you would put that would be good. You put that and you <laughs> just you just let it all get the all tingly is, everywhere.
2: Those are all the guys we trade away. <laughs> yeah, right. No, the that's two-time All Stars.
1: Well, we don't have any of those. I don't think we have any All Stars other than Cabrera and Soto, I guess. But um, no, I think that was a good one, John. Well done.
3: On a whim. I like wanna, I said, didn't yeah, have I th- that one decided.
1: Definitely worth talking about.
3: Yeah, I didn't know if we were going to have a tiger subject tonight or topic tonight, so figured yeah, the only no, thing to good. really talk about right now. I mean, we'll they're get, they're we'll, playing good. They're hot right now. Yeah, Again, well, three
1: like, three three straight losses now. Well, yeah,
3: they were on a little string there. They were um, six straight, which yeah, was awesome. So I don't know. At least he's batting above 300. What yeah. the only one on the team, I believe.
1: Yeah, they'd be it'd be it's this series is huge for them if they can win tonight. Win the next two against Kansas City games that you should win. Yeah, you can't let those slip, slip through. Otherwise, that six game winning streak is worthless. The right.
2: worst it would be to w- lose tonight and now just get swept in a doubleheader oh against gosh. Kansas City. That that would be demoralizing. I that mean, would that would be coming awful. off of their streak that they just had. Um, yeah, they got to split this one.
1: All uh, right, do you want to go f- go next? Or you want me to, Ryan?
2: Yeah, I mean, I wanted to absolutely talk about the pissin' Summer League. Yeah, so, so they're two games in. Two games in right now. Um, I, the, you know, everybody really wanted to see the the new draft picks, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Dern, and I mean, they have not disappointed at all. But on top of that, we've been able to see uh Isaiah Stewart get a lot of minutes and a lot of you know important buckets down the stretch. We've seen um, not Sidipe, uh, Killian Hayes, the first game he got in there. Uh, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Livers has been. Really, He's been a stud, he? I mean, last game he was Torching. awesome. Like four for five from three, yep. 23 points, uh, all, all the critical plays down the stretch. So I think the, the major takeaway has just been really positive for the team overall. We're 2-0, first of all. So game number one, Jaden Ivey, um, it looked like the first half, he looked like he was maybe going a little bit too fast, a little out of control here and there, but that is completely you know nitpicking from what he ended up doing in the end. It was 20 points, six assists, six rebounds. Uh, followed it up with a game in the five minutes that he played. I know he twisted his ankle and made everybody a little bit nervous, but in the five minutes he scored 11 points and had two assists and was just all over the court. And, like, nobody could stay in front of him. And if you watch some of those highlights, his first step and able to get past people on the left and the right, like, good luck. These guys are not going to be able to stay in front of him. And I think it changes the conversation long term about what this team needs because – the biggest concern from a lot of people that I've heard following the Pistons is floor spacing. Like Cade needs the, the the floor spacing. Sadiq Bey is a shooter, but where are the other shooters? Everybody's going to just you know buckle down inside. The what people don't consider you can do that. You can you can have floor spacing in two ways. And one way is to have shooters on the outside to to move everybody out of the paint. The other way is to have somebody that you cannot stay in front of. And then that re- that requires the other everybody around the uh, uh, your other teammates to help on that one guy. So now we can put him next to Cade Cunningham, let's say, let him just go to go to work on his man to the right side, pull in that extra defender, and now and now Cade Cunningham is wide open. He can do whatever he wants. He can cut to the basket, shoot his three. He can he can facilitate from there. Yeah. So I, I think what I've seen so far, I've been extremely happy with what Jaden Ivey's done. Uh, Jalen Duran looks literally like a man amongst boys out there. he's the youngest one on the court, and yet he looks like a, a beast yeah
3: he's a freak um, i don't know they threw several lobs to him. Uh, he has no problem with the coordination of getting the ball and getting it through the rim with authority over anybody and he's just going to outmuscle a lot of guys early on, like you said
2: he's huge and and actually, I think what I like this is a mistake that it's really easy to fall into and and I definitely fell into it this year with Jalen Duran. I knew about him coming out of high school. He reclassified. He was part of the, the younger, you know, he was like ranked really, really highly in the junior class, reclassified, graduated early, went to school early, and was definitely on people's radar. But he went to Memphis, played for Penny Hardaway, and my, my thought process towards him was that he was all about himself and he was a little bit of a showboat. Yeah, he's got an NBA body, but he's, he's just, I don't know, like what would, you, what would you, how would you describe somebody like that?
1: so I've heard Sean Kemp as a good example, like good. Comp- well, I'm talking like attitude. So somebody, oh, sorry. somebody who's
2: is not team first, maybe, maybe me first. And like, you know, that kind of an attitude. And I, from all of the interviews that I've heard since he's joined the Pistons and just watching the way he conduct he conducts himself on the floor, he is a team first guy. Yeah. And so like, that was shame on Cause me. That was a big assuming. concern for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the Memphis tie, and because of some of those guys that have come out of there before, and, and maybe like reclassifying, you could think that that was a selfish move. Rather, no, no, this dude's just—he knows who he is. He's ready to, to contribute to an NBA team. And every single interview you've heard, he's been we, not me. Yeah. And he's been talking about how the team wants to win the Summer League, and you are like, oh man, how do you want to contribute? In any way I can.
1: That's yeah, I love hearing that. I want to so. play defense. I want to yeah. rebound.
3: He would have been any other team's, like, first pick in the draft, right? Like, so, uh, outside of, you know, four teams. But he's, he wasn't Detroit's number one guy. He has to kind of take a back seat to Ivy to start the year, clear, mm-hmm. you know. And then on top of that, you got Cade and all these other young guys that have proven themselves in the NBA. Um, so, I think it's going to kind of humble him in a way. And like you said, too, Memphis brings in these, like, four- or five-star guys. And they're all, they all come from different, you know, uh, AU programs and stuff. Look what happened to, you know, Imani, Imani Bates. Bates you yeah, know? it sure and seemed like, like, like he was a me first guy. Exactly. So uh, for him to be, man, I don't know. He, there must be something about him if Troy Weaver was willing to make the move that he made to get yeah, that guy. I
1: think that's a good, good point that, yeah, it was, it seems like a risk, but. Weaver saw something because that's one thing that he preaches is character guys. Yeah. Guys that are ready to work guys that are doing that. And he went out and took a Memphis guy that people were like, those were the question marks. Like, yeah. what is he? Well, c- and, and, and so com- far, so competitors good editors too. Yeah. So far, so good. Um, and they got
3: to gel with, uh, Dwayne Casey too. Dwayne Casey doesn't want that on the team. He wants, you know, he wants a collective team effort. That's the way he's been, especially up in Toronto with not be, not being able to work with too much at any given time. Um, it's the best out of his guys so i think it's yeah looking good right now uh, yeah. we'll see how it transitions so go- going to the back to season. ivy
1: basically everything that people loved about him coming out of the draft it seems like it's showing on like he's the most athletic guy in the court it seems or er, to an extent and just doing it and the way that what he did at purdue he's doing yeah it's summer ball but yeah. he's still playing against Guys that have been there for a couple of years. Yeah, I, and I don't think you're going to have the same
2: issues with Jaden Ivey as you did with you know Killian Hayes. Like when he's open, he's also going to shoot threes. Yeah, and and he's not going to shoot under thirty percent. He's gonna he's not going to light up like Curry or anything. But we don't need him to. We just need him to be respected at the three point line. Shoot mid thirties uh, percentage that yeah. from from out there, and then. And then that brings your guy close to you in just in the general vicinity, and he's gonna he's gonna get by you.
1: Yeah. Do you think that that has something to do with the fact that he went and played college for two years rather than Killian Hayes playing overseas and not having that confidence of where I, Ivy's kind of been there, done that. He knows he's already proven to himself what he can do, and he has that confidence to just know what he can do. Where Killian Hayes kind of seemed very hesitant coming off like coming in his first year in, yeah. in last year. And, yeah, he developed a ton last year. I thought it was awesome. But, like, been there, done that guy, that guy that has already built his personal game that everybody knows is is probably a, a, a good thing in a lot of ways compared to taking a guy from overseas that might not have that confidence.
2: Yeah. Well, and then just the experience of being the ball leader, like being the decision yeah. maker. It's it's actually the other guy that's impressed so much is Isaiah Livers. Yeah. Everybody's loving how he plays. Like we saw that at Michigan and yeah, we were biased in it, but this was their decision maker. He was their point guard when their offense needed something to happen. Like he was the one making that, that final pass or the final shot. Um, creating it for himself, creating for others. And that's that's what we've already seen, his ability in the summer league to do that. We saw a glimpse of it down the stretch, but he's a knockdown shooter. He's switchable on defense. He can move his feet. He's a floor general. He he talks like crazy on defense, which you could say the same thing about Jaden Ivy and Jalen Duran so far. They've been really vocal on defense. And I, I just love the way this team is being built right now. It's a whole bunch of high class guys seems like they, they're gelling, they're mixing. They, they all want to succeed together, and they're, they're out to prove something. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's definitely exciting to see all that kind of come together. Without Cade on the floor, too, is like, man, just wait, because he is yeah. the true leader. But, I don't know, you got some guys in there that, that are also getting some experience and, you know, just growing. Well, yeah, look, it's it, really cool to see. And Killing
2: went out there and did exactly what he does. He made, made plays for everybody else and went and stood at the corner. Like, I don't expect yeah. him to have to dominate summer league like some people wanted because that's not who he is. Develop your shot, which it looks like he's uh, put some work in on a shot, but develop your shot, be the knockdown shooter whenever you need to, but you have so many playmakers on offense now. be, th- be the, that other role. Uh, create, create opportunities for other people, and then knock down threes when you need to.
1: For sure. so we are about 58, 59 days, I think, till the NFL football season. Can you believe that we're getting that close? That's pretty exciting, isn't it?
3: Summer flies, man. I cannot
1: wait. I, I don't want the summer to go. That's the hard part of the football either. season. Is I actually panicked. I actually panicked <laughs> When the day. you saw
2: how close it was? Well, because I, I was scrolling through TV and I saw Hard Knocks and I was like, what?
1: No way, I missed it. Oh. And it's from
2: like 2019 <laughs> with the Browns or something.
1: I, like. I have never watched Hard Knocks. I cannot wait to watch this year. I, I, I bet you it's going to be so good. But pr- I'm sure practice will start here in the next, what, two or three weeks is, is my guess. Yeah, I yeah. haven't looked at it it's for sure, up. but... Then Hard Knocks will be right around the corner behind that. So I'm getting the football itch, to say the least. And I found this cool, really cool article by Ben Lindsay of ESPN. And what he did is he ranked all the NFL teams, so NFL roster rankings for all 20 or all 32 teams for 2022. He noted their strengths, their weaknesses, and X factors for every starting lineup. So, for example, he has the Buffalo Bills, with the number one ranked roster overall, he has Tampa Bay Buccaneers at two, Los Angeles Chargers at three. So, what I wanted to you, I wanted to ask you guys, where do you think the Lions land on this ranking of all thirty-two teams?
2: Uh, and this takes into account the, the just the full roster, the current like roster, yeah, backups, or is this yep. just starters? I'm assuming
1: backups too but it might i don't know that's a good question i don't know 27 27 i'm guessing 30 30 all right lower than lower for both of you guys wow
2: 32
1: no sorry high like lower number so like lower than oh so like (laughs) higher higher ranking higher ranking towards the top (laughs) <laughs> so the number goes down <laughs> whatever that means so 34 did they did they add said another 27? team 27 you said 32 right. so it higher is 30 yeah <laughs> i would say lower first no, higher ranking higher it's, ranking yeah you i said ranking. i would say lower ranking what because you rank it one to 32 so it's a lower number yeah so one is good one is best one is best, <laughs> one is best yeah so high rank
3: higher ranking <laughs> hierarchy
2: yeah, hierarchy starts at high. These never go well.
3: We're learning. All right. <laughs> what episode is this? So what I'm going
1: to do <laughs> is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name. Okay. I'm going to start naming so we the teams numbers? from 32 down. Okay. Okay. All right. Can you tell me if they're right or wrong? Uh, Houston Texans at 32. Wrong. At 31. Atlanta Falcons. I would
2: say Atlanta would be last. Yeah, without yeah. the quarterback. Or Chicago. Who oh, is a quarterback now? Oh, they just. Mariota. Is it? Yeah. Um, and they drafted. They drafted a dude out of... Uh, the rookie.
1: Oh, yeah. Who will miss? All right. Who would you say should be 30th based on what I told Chicago you? Chicago Bears. Correct.
3: Let's go. Who would
1: you say should be 29th?
3: Seattle Seahawks.
1: Yes, you are correct. Let's go. <laughs> Killing it. Who would be 28th?
3: <laughs> New York Giants. Jets. Giants.
1: Jags. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought that was surprising too because I had a pretty good offseason. Yeah. At twenty-seven, you have the Carolina Panthers. At twenty-six, you have the New York Giants. Yeah. At twenty-five, you have the Detroit Lions. Twenty-five. Twenty-five. At twenty-five, you have the Jets, Cardinals. At twenty-three, that was really interesting Whoa, to me. Really? Um, I wonder su-
3: if that takes into consideration uh, DeAndre Hopkins' suspension.
1: Oh, I is he suspended?
3: Yeah, he oh. got popped for PDs. Oh, did he really? Eight, eight games, I think.
1: Dang. Um so Cardinals 23, Steelers 22, Whoa. Raiders at 21, Titans at 20.
3: Wow, yeah, that's all. That's a, a Raiders cool. should be higher than that.
1: Lower than that or higher than that? Well,
3: lower number, <laughs> higher ranking.
2: Different. I would just say different. Yes.
1: Um. Uh, I thought that those were all pretty interesting. Um they have the Broncos all the way up to 14 ahead of the Colts. I think that's just based on Quarterback alone, because I, I don't know. I think the Colts have a really good roster outside of quarterback.
3: Yeah, their defense is Which, yeah, pretty sick. I kind really of like
1: Matt Ryan. I, I, yeah, I know he's not elite anymore, but he, could, he reminds me a lot of Matt Stafford. Wait, We're so what? Very underrated, and then he's going to go to a team that's built well. What are they ranked? He's gonna, Colts? Yeah. 15th. 15th?
2: Yeah, they should be better
1: than that. Yeah, and then you got the Broncos at 14. One of the weirdest ones to me.
3: Cleveland Browns?
1: The Cleveland Browns are at well. This was this was prior to the trade, which
3: oh, all right. But
1: I don't know if that changes a whole lot. Where they're at sixth, which is interesting. But one that one that really stood out to me was eleven, the New Orleans Saints. How how are they How are they still considered so, like? Yeah, I don't know. Like, if I remember correctly. Heading into last year, they were like $60 million over the cap. They had to cut so many players. Yeah, they still are. And they still are. And they just keep finding this cap space out in fifth in there, it seems like. Um, but anyways, Detroit Lions at 25. Do you think that's – well, you guys kind of told me where you guys think they, sh- they should be. But I was a little iffy on that. Like, I think they could be ahead of the Jets as well. Um, but outside of that, I don't – think they should really jump anybody in particular that was yeah jets have a good young four
2: and jets had a great draft too so if we're just hanging our hat on the draft go look at what the jets did because they they pulled in some talent
1: yeah um they had the Bengals at eight chiefs at nine i thought that was interesting um packers at five rams at four i already told you guys the top three so um they did give you the biggest strength what do you think they he had for the detroit Lions' biggest strength offensive line Yep. He said you won't often find a team this low on the list that has a top five positional unit, but Detroit's offensive line is that is, is in that conversation. It's not difficult to see De- Taylor Decker and Pene Sewell being top 10 players at their respective positions in 2022. Um, p- from a pro football-focused grading standpoint, Sewell was a top 10 graded right tackle as a rookie in 2021, and Decker finished 15th among qualifying left tackles. Throw in one of the NFL's best centers with Frank Ragnow and a promising young guard at Jonah Jackson. And the Detroit Lions have a nice core to build around up front. I think this offensive line, when healthy, could easily be top five. Yeah. And I'm so interested to see what a top five offensive line can do with the amount of playmakers that they're starting to to get in there. And I think Swift is a big part of that. When Swift's, Swift is healthy, I think this offense could be I don't, like, they're, they're never going to be, like, the high-flying, like, Rams, or um, they're not going to run the ball like Tennessee Titans or anything like that, but they're going to be very well-balanced, and what it's going to, I think it's going to remind me of a lot is kind of the, um, who, oh, my gosh, I can't think, I was going to say the Vikings, but that's not it, when they were in there, but they never really had, yeah, I mean, kind of, I guess, the Vikings. Yeah.
2: I don't know if you completed a sentence there. Um, you're just I'm trying like to think a of like historical who, who, team who, that. Yeah,
1: and histori- and for some reason the Vikings are who came to mind, but that probably isn't fair. And I don't know, like the way that this offense is going to run. Like who do you, who do you think it's going to be like?
2: I mean, they're kind of set up to be like the San Francisco Forty ers in my opinion, with that's just a, a, yeah, a, 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 a really average quarterback hanger head on the the running game, but also mix it up, passing when needed, with some talented guys in the you know um, some playmakers. Uh, when we get Williams healthy as a wide receiver, I think he can change the dynamic of you know the way defenses have to play, and that can really open up the field.
1: Yeah. Now, biggest weakness. John, do you have a guess of what their biggest weakness is on this list?
3: Secondary.
2: I was going to say linebackers.
1: I would agree with both of those. This is what he said. There's reason to be excited about the direction of the Detroit Lions. roster is trending, but the whole act, quarterback makes it difficult to set expectations too high across his two past two seasons with the Rams and Lions Jared Goff's passes have traveled fewer than seven yards downfield on average and his 8.8 yards per attempt on throws 20 or more yards downfield is bottom five mark among 31 quarterbacks with at least 50 such attempts there's not going to be much of an explosive downfield element to this passing attack with Goff at Quarterback, unless he gets back to his two thousand and eighteen form. Now, do you think that he's fighting something, or do you think he's just lost complete confidence with his downfield ball? Because we've seen that he can do it. Now, under Sean McVay offense, he he was he had some very explosive games, very explosive plays. So, what is going on? Like, wh- is he, is he done? Is it is this a fair assessment to say that he's our biggest weakness? Uh,
2: I think it definitely has to be considered. As part of it. I mean, there's a lot of great – a lot of really good quarterbacks in the NFL, and, and I would not consider Jared Goff one of those. So, yeah, I don't think he's helping us win games. I don't think he's the reason that we're going to win game more games you know, this year rather than last year. If he has a good season and he can be an average quarterback and maybe surprise us and throw 28 touchdowns and have eight interceptions or something, I mean, that would be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That would be a down year for Aaron Rodgers and, and some other quarterbacks. Yeah. So I I think there's a talent gap. Uh, the numbers don't lie. He does not throw the ball down the field. I think if we do get downfield presence with DJ Chark and, and, and uh, Jameson James Williams. Williams, I think a lot of those are going to be schemed plays. I think it's going to be something where they take the ball out of his hands in a way and make force him to throw the ball down the field because that's what the play demands. He's shown that he doesn't naturally do that. He doesn't naturally take a lot of chances downfield. He doesn't see it. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, trend that way. So it's going to have to be coach's game plan.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they they treat him because obviously there's, they're going to want to be a run first offense. I think that's kind of obvious, but when you do have the Amon Ross, Saint Brown, DJ Shark, um, Robert, uh, who's the guy that came in, Roberts, Uh-oh,
2: the wide uh, receiver,
1: Josh Reynolds, Reynolds, Reynolds and then yeah. obviously James Williams, like and Hawkinson, it's like you have guys that you need to get the ball. You need to get the ball into those guys' hands, and golf has to be the one to do it. So. How are they going to balance that, you know, keeping the wide receivers healthy but sticking to what actually works? Because we had a guy that was watching Netflix like we do on the weekends one week and then he was playing, running for 100 yards a couple weeks later and under that, behind that offensive line. And if he can do that, what can Swift do is what I want to see. And you can't take the ball out of Swift's hands, but you're going to have to at some point because you can't. No, we want to keep him healthy throughout
2: the yeah. whole year too. He's never done it before. Like we want to we want to give that a shot. Yeah. So we got to spread the ball around.
1: I, I was reading an article that the Lions have the highest paid offense in I was, in the in
2: football. I was going to mention that.
1: Which is absolutely insane. But what that tells you is you have guys that want the ball through the air. It's not your wide receiver or your running backs. You still have Swift on a rookie deal, right? You have uh Williams, like Jamal Williams that and Outside of that, it's all wide receivers and guys you need to throw the ball to. And obviously your quarterback who's overly paid.
2: In in our offensive line. We've invested in, line. in our offensive line. Yeah, that's line. true.
1: Yeah. So it's just I'm we, so we, excited to see what, what this new offense does. And what is it, Ben Johnson, the new O C, how yeah. that all is gonna play out. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun.
3: It's one of those things where you don't want Jared Goff to have like too great of a year. <laughs> yeah, I you know, know right? Um, Isn't that such a weird feeling? Yeah, but like, <clears throat> lead us to some some wins, you know. Some finish some games, and if we can sniff the playoffs, let's do it. But yeah, you, are you gonna pay him again? Wait, you know, I, if he has a, a blowout year. That's a
2: great question. Actually, that let's play that game for a second because let's say he throws thirty-two touchdowns, six eight? six, six to or eight, eight. interceptions, yeah. phenomenal season, brings him to the playoffs. Eleven wins. Yeah, yeah. Let's 11 say eleven wins. Happens. Yeah. yeah. What is our next move? <laughs> do we trade him in the off season for assets because he's not part of our long term plans, or do we just say, "Oops, he now he's our quarterback for at least a few right? more years"?
1: It, it what, feels do you, what do you a lot do? Like Jimmy Garoppolo, like they're like, "Oh, we'll just," or like Joe Flacco, it's like, yeah. "Oh, we don't really buy into you." Just wait, and then all of a sudden you're gonna have to overpay for him. Yeah, if you're gonna pay him now. If I'm trying to picture his contract, I think we have an opt out after this year, or or he's not he's not it's not an opt out, but. I think it's like $10 million for cut, right? Otherwise, he gets paid a decent amount. So we could have control for another year. But, man, that's, that is – I want to win so badly. Oh, I do too. But I am so terrified that we're the ones that are going to have to give this guy a raise I, because he's going to get a raise if he has that type of and year. Like, right? I, I don't
3: dislike Jared Goff. Me either. But he had that one big year, and it's just like, all right, prove that you can do it again. And if you can't, if you can't this year with yeah. everything that's around you, him to the but cart.
1: But you say that, and the funny thing is is if he does it this year, we're going to be like, alright, well, you got to do it at least one more. Like, there's nothing that he can do. I don't think that we'll be 100% bought in and say he is our now our future I, quarterback. I agree. I
2: quarterback don't, of our future. I don't think you can convince the city of that. The city's no, not bought yeah. in.
3: Everybody is still stuck on Matt Stafford and his, like, career. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah prove it, you well, know. I, yeah. Win a Super Bowl or something.
2: And if he goes and proves it, you say, great, we had another <laughs> asset, but we still want to go get our yeah, guy. It's like, do like, you really want that? They might like pack a chain with a pick and go up and get like the top guy or top 5 pick. Like I could see that happening before a long-term thing with Yeah. But but you know what? This staff Brad Holmes this is his guy. I mean that he had a lot of input to a extent, on in yeah. the Rams picking him. So if he believes in him and now he's a, like a leader of the offense and all that stuff You better believe Dan Campbell and those guys love the rah-rah or like the the atmosphere that they're creating in the the locker room. If Jared Goff is that guy and he commands respect from everybody around him, I could see them sticking with him actually for too
1: long. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, it makes me nervous. Um, The last part of this article was the X factor for 2022. What do you guys think or who do you guys think is the biggest X factor for this Detroit Lions football team heading into 2022? Man. I think there are two that really stand we gotta out. We got
2: to go me. offensive defense, right?
1: There, I think there are two on the defensive side that stu- stood out to me before I even read the article Aiden Hutchinson. That was one of them that, that stood out. And the other one was Jeff Akuda. And that's what they said here. Um, the former number three overall pick. Struggled in limited action as a rookie in 2020, battling injuries and difficult coverage responsibilities in Matt Patricia's defense. Last season, Akuda played just 48 defensive snaps before his left Achilles tendon injury ended his season. Akuda looked like a can't-miss prospect coming out of Ohio State, given his size, skill set, and production, but he hasn't lived up to the reputation through two seasons. Detroit will be hoping that changes for a healthy Acuña this year, and I can't disagree with that. Oh yeah, because that makes all the sense. Like the he, John kind of brought up how secondary could possibly be our biggest weakness. Like outside of I think you could argue secondary, Goff linebackers, linebackers like those are kind of the three biggest things. And but if Acuña can be half of what a third overall pick should be, like this defense will be that much better. Yeah, I, And if he stays healthy, obviously. I totally
2: agree with it because, I mean, I, I always laugh when people talk about the Lions be, are going to have a bad defense because their linebackers are terrible. It's like you can't have both things. You can't devalue the linebacker so much and say never draft one in the first two rounds. <laughs> right. And then also say it's the most important thing on your defense and you can't win without a good linebacking core. Like they're they're average enough where they're, they'll just be fine. But the secondary, that is extremely important. So if we can have Amani Awarie and we have uh, Jacob, or, yeah, yeah, Jacob's coming back from his injury, hopefully everything's good with that. And then we have a f- couple of other young, talented uh, uh, guys in the secondary. But what would lock this in was if Okuda was a long-term quarterback solution.
1: Yeah, and the nice thing is Awarie is there. He can be our number one. Yeah. Let Okuda be our number two. Sure. And if you can have Okuda being your number two, it might get a little more action, it might get exposed a little bit more than Awarie. But he's also the guy that will make the big plays when he gets that opportunity and starts to feel feel himself a little bit and on the football field and get some confidence. Like That's the guy that you want to be thrown at in a lot of ways. Yeah, 100%. To make those game-changing game plays. Well, just
2: how big he is, long. I mean, it, we have got another one. I, his name is Blank. I, I can't think of Melanfonwu. Oh, yeah, Melanfonwu. Yeah. yeah, he was
1: this, uh second-round pick last year? Uh, or third-round third, third
2: round pick last year. Yep. Yeah, but he's he's built the same way. Long, athletic, fast, uh, almost looks like a safety out there, a cornerback. I mean, those guys, when they hit, they're great. Like, they, they muscle up on, on guys at the line of scrimmage, and they, if they can run with them, I mean, good luck. Yeah. The, I mean, that's, that's exactly what you're looking for, and it's also the reason not, he's picked so high.
1: And it's also not just Okuda and letting his talent take over. It's Okuda's talent with – the secondary coach and this the way that this defense was was performing with bottom of- the barrel type players they, they made bottom of the barrel guys look look good look serviceable yeah. what can they do with, with true talent is, is what I think we're really excited to see
0: from the Red Wings to Michigan State we're talking about it this is state of my sports.
1: So what we're going to talk about next is the Detroit Red Wings. And since we recorded last, they've, they've done quite a bit. I'm going to start with the, the hire of Derek Lalonde. Um, he was the assistant coach in Tampa Bay for the since 2018-19 season. Uh, before that, he was the head coach of the Iowa Wild, um, where they missed the playoffs two years in a row. But he was in the East Coast um, before that in Toledo, the Toledo Walleye, um, where he was the head coach there for, for a couple years as well. Um, before that, Green Bay Gamblers. He had a stint in uh, Denver as the assistant coach and Ferris State as an assistant coach. So he's been around quite a bit, um, knows a lot. I think the biggest thing is is what worked in Tampa Bay. Can they bring that over to Detroit? And I think that's um, really where, where I want to start. Is, is like, I'm not going to blow smoke up anybody's you-know-what and tell you that this is the perfect hire and this is why it's going to work or anything like that what we can look at is where he came from and then what he says. Because I think what he says is, is important because it's what is important to him is what he's going to be translating and what other people are saying about him too. So um, that's kind of what I wanted to to start with here. Um, one thing that I, I heard him say um, during his press conference talking about like how he's going to address the players and stuff like that, how he's going to work with them, and he said good players want to be held accountable you have to hold them accountable. We'll hold guys accountable here, but at the same time, it's a bit of a partnership, and and that was part of a full conversation of it's a relationship first. Is yeah, I can be the hard-nosed guy when I need to be. Yeah, I can you know be yelling at them, but I'm gonna have their respect because I'm having a personal relationship with with them first. I don't. I think we kind of played that that line a little bit with Blashel. Was it started as? That partnership and stuff, and he got a little too buddy buddy. Which you can do that over the course of whatever six, seven years that he was here. And having that new voice, even though it's going to be the same um, mentality, I think that new voice, that that just the new um, view of, of the locker room, getting to know guys all over again, not just like catering to them all, right away, like just kind of finding that relationship of of a working relationship. And I thought that. The fact that he brought it up that way I thought was really important because that is exactly how it should be. Yeah, he, you want your team to hate the coach because that's what they're supposed to do. But as long as you know that he's going to be in that bunker with you and you guys are there on a personal side too, I think that's really important too. Um, we'll see if it works. I mean, it's just... That was it, that was
2: one of the things he said in his press conference, the opening press conference, right? I mean, they he had a question, What what are your first items that you have to do as, as head coach. Yeah. And they actually tried to give him a cookie answer like, you, you have a staff to hire, right? And he said, well, first I'm going to reach out to each and every one of the players. Yeah. And yep. I'm going to have that conversation and I get to know them and, and learn what they do. Start and building that relationship. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, it's great to see. I mean, it's great to hear, obviously. I mean, nobody really loses a press conference, so I don't want to be like, oh, on the press conference. But when you trust Eisenman the way I do, the way I think a lot of people should, maybe overly trust him in a lot of ways, but he's, he hasn't proven us wrong. And what he did in Tampa, if he can do half of what he did there and do it here, like we're, we're in the right direction. And if that's who he wants to bring in and those are the reasons why, like I, I'm i going to completely buy into that and hope that the players do as well. Um, he went on and, and said a few more, more, this is a pretty long quote here, um, but there's some points that I wanted to, to touch on here. He said, "I think I'd have to temper expectations." Uh, we got so when he was asked, basically, like what should we obviously expect heading into this year, wins, losses, all that, all that good stuff. He said, "We got great in Tampa when we started focusing on the process." I know it sounds like a cliche, but to sit there and talk about making the playoffs and where we were, where we were going to be or putting a number of wins, um, a number on wins, I think that's foolish. That can hurt you. Um, and you end up going the wrong way. For me, it's going to be about the process in some obvious things. our team defense, special team's improvement, obviously the, the biggest things that all coaches care about. But if we take care of the process in doing the little things, if our team defense improves through our stopping on Puck's habit, on stopping on Puck's habits, our mm. risk in our game, our plurals. management of the puck, um, then we'll be improved, and hopefully that takes care of itself. And I, th- I think that's important. Obviously, nobody likes hearing the process. The 76ers have kind of ruined that for for everybody. And it's not a rebuilding process, but it's a process of what a season takes. And it's not worrying about all right. Well, we got to get to, you know, 60 points by December 30th or something like that. You know, it's it's not about the the wins and losses in the moment. It's about taking care of the the stuff off the ice, and then the wins will take care of it, and then you start playing your game. One thing that I I really liked was when he said management of puck. I think that it's a very, um, it's kind of new. I don't really, I haven't heard that a whole lot, but it makes a a lot of sense because you, it's kind of the the game, right? (laughs) Everything's based around the puck, and if you could take care of it, everything else will take care of itself. When he said it, it was just kind of like, I might have heard that a million times, but for some reason when I heard it, I was just like, I love that. I love the way he's talking about managing the puck. We control it where it's going, whether it's on your stick or not, but you're controlling where they're going. I don't know. I thought that was, um, it's
2: like a Hoosiers mentality, right? The, the, the the ball, yeah. (laughs) Protect the ball with your life kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It's like step one, learn up, learn basketball, protect the ball.
1: Yeah. and, And look, I just wanted to mention it. Obviously I don't I'm not going to tell anybody this is the right guy. I'm not going to tell you it's the wrong guy. I think if we trust Eisman, he's going to make the right hire. But what this hire told me most of all was the patience that this organization still has. They could have gone out and got the big name, Barry Trotz, go Joel Quenville, something like that, guys that have been around, but he didn't. He he took a risk and went with a guy that doesn't have the experience. And what that just tells me is just continue to be patient. It's It, it, it sucks hearing that because we're year Four, I think, three under Iserman of of this rebuild, but it's just so frustrating. I mean, it, it's just so important for us to to understand that this is still a process. in In the, the rebuild is is far far from over. Far from over. What, we, what is John Jarrett saying? Is it worth even talking about, or is he just?
3: I don't know. He was talking with Kyle there. A little Red Sox Yankees rivalry chat. A little banter back and forth about how the game had playoff feels. I don't know.
1: Oh, geez. Yeah.
3: But that's <laughs> playoff, just,
1: playoff feel in July. That's yeah. just
3: that's just ESPN doing their part and keeping that <laughs> rivalry. <laughs> the Are the Shakers. Red
2: Sox even good this year? <clears throat> I don't know. No, they, they going to make the playoffs? Red Sox, they get they get destroyed by everybody in their division.
1: <laughs> do they? Yeah, they I do. I love that. Even the Orioles right now. How does he even baseball? I right? know. H- yeah, straight. they're awesome.
2: No, I, I, I again. I go back to the introductory press conference, and you know, Lalonde was talking about. I don't even know his name, but who's the head coach of the Lightning? Uh, John Cooper. So he was saying how how he was telling him like you're obviously ready. You're you're like, you know, you're ripe for this opportunity. He said uh, you're kind of overripe. Like you're you're more than ready. You're beyond ready for this. Basically, complimenting him, saying I basically had a head coach as my part of my assistant coaching yeah. staff. So I think that, along with what Steve Eisenman has seen in this guy, is more than enough for us to be okay and, and happy with it. Mm-hmm. But I, I did have a question. So a few weeks ago we talked about uh, you and Mikey were going back and forth with who you were expecting to get. Okay. Uh, and you had to wait for the playoffs to be over. Is this that guy?
1: This is who they were talking about, yeah. Okay, so this, this is, is the guy who that, you kind of expected is, all along. Yeah. I, there were two assistants in, in Tampa uh, that were – somewhat for the job but it it turns out this was the guy from basically day one that's the one that most people knew um after barry trotz walked out without a deal i think got it is that this is who they were waiting for um and it's who they went and got and he got it what two days after three days after the playoffs so it's like it wasn't a tough interview or anything it was like hey you want the job <laughs> i'm sure it was it was probably a, a handshake agreement already of what was going to happen but i just remember being classy like yeah is just going to let it kind of play it out and and all that good stuff. But, I, I mean, if you wanted a splash head coach, you didn't get it. And you're going to be mad, and that's fine. I'm not going to change your mind. It's just where you think we are in the rebuild is different than where I think we are in the rebuild. I still think we need to be patient. And I think Eisenman kind of told us the same thing there. But
2: Man.
3: Is um, it, is it I, like a bridge hire, you think?
1: You know, I, no, I don't. No? I, I mean, if it doesn't go well, like if it really goes bad – then I could see it kind of being that, but I don't think Eiserman hired him to be a bridge guy. Personally, I think I think a, a splash guy would have been a more of a bridge guy, you okay. know, that can yeah. come in and and flip this locker room upside down. That is their way, their highway type thing. And it sounds like he's not. This is a guy that's ready to be in the league. He's ready to join that club of not being the recycled coaches carousel, if you will, um, that the NHL seems to have. But um, Yeah, I I don't think it's a a bridge guy. Is it the right guy? Is it the one that's going to win us a cup? I don't know about that. But I don't think it's a guy that's going to flip things up and and bring in the next guy in in a couple years just because, I guess.
2: Jared's uh, fact-checking us. He said something about the Red Sox being out of the playoff race by one and a half games. I think I got that right. Leading
1: the wild card by one and a half games. No, I think
2: I had it right my way.
1: And second within the the division.
2: Yeah, it doesn't matter though. No. no.
1: They're still they still don't have yeah, a chance. Yeah, they suck. Yeah. I am okay with them sucking. Um, but I did want to talk a little bit about the draft. I don't know like NHL draft is way different than you know, it, it fits more like the MLB draft. <laughs> it's kind of like Yeah. All right, what is he going to do? Oh, okay. Now I'm going to look into it we'll because see I'm not going to I'm not going to like sit and waste my time reading up on all 32 of the first round picks or 33 guys now. I don't even know. You saying
2: I wasted my time on that? Did he, did you he do that? No.
1: Okay, I didn't think so. I don't think anybody did. I would be surprised if Pierre LeBron did that. But I actually
2: did look <laughs> into this guy beforehand, though, because I heard – Somebody go out on a limb and say the Red Wings were going to get him. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I was just looking to the one guy. So this is the only guy I actually looked into <laughs> so before. So you're going to have,
1: have a, an opinion on him. I love it. Yeah. Um, so eighth overall, the Detroit Lions, Red Wings selected Marco Casper, who is out of the Swiss League or Swedish Elite League. I, I'm I'm sure that's what it's actually called, and I get those confused. Swedish. Um, Swedish Elite League, yep. Um, he played for Rogel BK. Um, nobody really cares about any of this stuff. I get it. Um, but heading into the draft, um, he was kind of central scouting, was at number five. Um, McKenzie had him at 17 overall. Um, some other rankings had him at like 18, 14, 15, 17. So if you look at that, it feels like a reach. But one thing I know everybody knows now is when Eisenman makes a pick, I think Cider kind of taught us that. Don't, it's not, oh, you know, that was a reach. It's. Oh my gosh! What did I miss? What did I miss about this prospect? Like that's kind of what Iserman has done, Um, and and it's it's really fun to see. And and the way I wanted to do this is basically start out with talking about him, talking about what people say about him, and then I did I did do some research on my own, watch some clips and stuff, and I'll give my opinion. So Ryan, just so we can move through this quickly, yeah. Can you do some reading for me? Yeah, no problem. Tell tell me like what some of the quotes that people had about. Marco Casper heading into the draft. All right, so Sam Casentino from Sportsnet
2: says, slick and speedy, can make things happen when nothing presents itself. It ex- is extremely agile. Scott Wheeler from The Athletic, he doesn't shy away from trying to beat out or wait out guys, whether, that, whether through changes of direction out of stop ups and curls, and he's got a really low panic threshold. He's also a good skater who never lacks an effort and always stops on pucks. Bill Meltzer uh, from Flyers contributor says the Austrian center winger is considered to be one of the safest two way players available in the 2022 draft An unselfish and high character je- player general with a projectable NHL frame. He's six foot two and currently 187 pounds at age 18. Casper handled himself surprisingly well at the SHL level after being called up from RBK's J20 under J20 team. Th- th- that's the hardest part to read right there. J- <laughs> RBK's. Uh, he also scored a combined 10 goals between the regular season and the playoffs. Nonetheless, the main question mark on Casper is his offensive upside. Is he more of a third-line NHL player down the line or someone who can excel in a top-six role? Will be a center, winger, or a swingman? McKenzie ranks Casper 10th overall. International Scouting Services has him 12th. Button places him, places him 17th. recruit uh, slots him 21st, and McKean's rates him 24. Most of the disagreement over is over whether he'll make an NHL offensive impact or be a bottom six forward.
1: So I think that's kind of – I mean, people are kind of all over the board on this guy, and it was um, a – what what was the word that you used when you saw some people taking a flyer on him at taking the Red Wing or Red Wings taking him at eight? You said, like – it wasn't reach, but it was uh, – Going out on a limb, basically, and picking him um, at at eight. Um, Look, I mean, everything you read here is is, the guy plays hockey, and he's very high IQ, and I think that's what we're going to see with with this draft is forward with with potential and guys that might not have the flashiness but have the IQ and the the ability to just play the game and to – to see if they can develop into something. That, that's kind of um, what, what I'm gathering when, when I read some of this stuff. Um, is there are, are some more quotables here. I don't know if there's a whole lot more that we really need to get into. Um, but what I'm going to jump to is, is the quote right down right down here um, with what, what people were saying about um, after the fact, basically, after he was picked at eight. Um, basically he said they needed the center. Yep. They love high motors, 200-foot competitors, and yes, they sure seem to have a thing for drafting out of the Swedish league. Um, pick it up from there. If yeah, no
2: No single one of those trends made Rogel's Marco Casper, the Red Wings, pick at number eight on Thursday. But when Eiserman walked to the stage and announced him, it made all the sense in the world. Detroit did not overthink it. They got a player they've long admired at, at perhaps their biggest position of need and walked out of the draft as much in much better shape because of it. And and that was one of the question marks with him, right? Cuz he was listed as a forward. Forward, yeah. Most yep. people had him as a forward, but knowing that if you wanted to label him a center, you could.
1: Yeah, right. and Eisenman was sure. Like he said in his post like after the like on the draft floor interview, he said, "That's why we picked him as a center." That was part of it at center is what he said. Yeah, so he's that, very was, that was with that was important. And he kind of talked about what what Chris Draper said here. Yeah. Um or relying so kind of on Chris Draper. Is,
2: Iserman saying, uh, our scouts, Chris Draper and his staff, really liked him all year. Iserman said on the draft floor afterwards, underrated. He's not super flashy. Backhand toe drags at, in the Michigan and all that stuff. He just kind of plays. He makes the right play, Iserman said. He can make a pass. He's got a good shot. Can carry the puck up the ice. He's just not flashy. He's very efficient.
1: I love the word efficient there. And that was kind of what, what I noticed watching was, and I actually had, like, so I I had that, Vision of it before I went back and, and read some of Eisenman's comments, but was like, yeah, it's not flashy. It's not it's not the game that people love. Like, he's a really good skater, but he's not a great skater. He's not like elite speed or anything like that. He's not. He doesn't have the great shot, but it's it's decent enough. One thing that he did that that I really liked was the fact that he was getting his nose dirty. He was getting goals from you know inside the circles, in front of the net, like really true. Digging goals, and I think that's one thing that people why his offensive um, upside is is questionable for a lot of people because he didn't do it. He didn't have those snipes. He but he didn't have that because he's being patient and making the right NHL play. He's already making those really high end plays where he's not just ripping the puck, and you get all of that, you know. And he's deferring to grown men as a seventeen, eighteen year old kid playing in this league. I'm okay with it, and his numbers really aren't that bad. You really look back to, um, like, Lucas Raymond, and he played in the same league. I think Lucas Raymond only had, like, 0.4 points per game better, which seems like a lot, but, like, I think he would have been top five as an 18-year-old. Out of everybody that's ever played in that league, 18-year-old points per game, I think he was top five. And and that's pretty good to see.
2: And this kid was 17 years old playing against grown men in that league. Which which has really become one of the top international leagues. And and it always kinda was, but I think right now it's like at a at a like a higher level, right? Yeah. I
1: mean a lot of people are saying that this is the second best league in the league in, in the world. I think it's past the KHL and people always say that it's better than the AHL just because you have um, you know, players playing true hockey and not just looking out for themselves. Where in the AHL they're more or less like playing their game to try to get to that next level. Where in these leagues, you're playing for the championship. You're playing for the team more than you do so in the AHL. And I think that's one thing that has set the the Swedish Elite League above the AHL and really the KHL as well. Um, it's a very high-end league, and he was playing against some really good talent, and then he also went to the Worlds and competed there. Yeah, he didn't put up great numbers, but you watch some of these highlights with the, with the points that he put up, kid's confident with the puck, He's making the bright play, and he's just, again, not fast, but he has the extra, the extra, where where he needs it. He he's not a bad skater by any means. Just it's not going to be flashy. And that what is he six two, um, or six one six two somewhere in there. One hundred eighty three pounds as a seventeen eighteen year old. Look, if he continues to grow into yeah, his body, still he grow. could be a true power forward in this league that, you know, doesn't have that extra four in three to four inches that. Are really exciting, but man, that's a frame that people can will really like. Really like to have. Part of,
2: part of the mix, right? Could we be part of this core, just playing his role. It doesn't. We don't necessarily need to have the the best player in the NHL every single pick, exactly. right? You got to build a whole team. You got to build something that that lays some groundwork.
1: Yep, and it did come out. So during a recent interview, uh, his dad came out and said, "Marco has a contract with with this S, uh, Swedish Elite League team." He's going to honor that unless he, can, unless he makes the Red Wings. So plan on him to play one more year in the Swedish Elite League like Lucas Raymond did. And then he'll probably put up some bigger numbers too and start developing that um, offensive side of his game that will get some people's attention before he comes over to the uh, North American leagues. A
3: couple comments in. Yeah. Um, sounds like Kerry and maybe Micah. I don't know if Micah's commenting on Kerry's page. But uh, the clips that they watched, the um, guy looked awesome for sure Marco Casper. Yeah I mean
1: he he's he's got it. He's got he's got it and it it's just wondering how high it can go I think. He's going to be a player in this league no doubt. He's um, a hockey player. He is. As as a 17 18 year old he's a true hockey player um that I'm I'm excited about. Look, I I'm, I'm new to him too. So if you guys I'm not going to tell you that he's the greatest pick of all time, but where we were at 8, we're outside of the top 4, we're not going to get Shane Wright, we're not going to get the guys that people will salivate over. But we got a really good player, and the best part is, is he's fitting what Eisenman seems to be want the most, and that's a two hundred foot competitor. And we needed a center, not only on the roster this year, we'll get into free agency probably next week as as things start going, um, but also in this in the farm system, we needed more centers. But we do have a comment here um, from Brian Brown. Thanks for watching, Brian. Uh, Dylan James pick was a steal. So I do want to get into the the rest of this draft, and I think Dylan James is actually a I had to dig to find some stuff on him outside of what people were saying. Um, but that's where, that's who they got with the 40th overall pick. Um, he's 28. Uh, last year he had 28 goals and 33 assists for uh, 61 points in 62 regular season games in the USHL. He won USHL Rookie of the Year and will be going to the University of North Dakota next year. He's a six foot, 181 left-handed winger uh, that worked his way up in the draft with a very good rookie season. Jumped 30 spots in the Central Scouting rankings um, from midterm to the final rankings, which is a huge jump. And I think if there was more time, he probably would have kept jumping. And that's what it sounds like. And what Eisenman did here was he got a little more of the flashy, I would say. Um, but another guy that just he's he's going to compete. Um, really like him. I'd be curious to Brian. Like, what 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 do you see about him that you really like? Um, if you're still watching, um, one thing I I just think that these first two picks told us was it was the theme for the Red Wings in general, responsible players that aren't flashy. I know I said Dylan James is. He's more flashy, I guess, than um, the first pick is where I was getting at. But um, play hard, um, mature game for their age. Um, overall, it felt like a depth-building draft uh, that will allow this organization to be more aggressive in future drafts and in future free agencies and trade deadlines. That's the way I really looked at this is you just you had, I think you had the Obviously, first-round pick. I think you had two second-round picks. Um, oh, nope, sorry. You had one second-round pick. Nope, sorry. Two second-round picks. You had 52. You had uh, Dmitry Bechelenkov, which I don't know anything about him. I kind of s- closed it at the the first two picks. Um, but one thing I like about Dylan James is he's got a little bit of swagger to him. He's got, It's it's kind of fun to, to see and hear people, you know, with all with that – little confidence.
2: Sounds like he's a winner though, right? Like he's got something yeah. – he's, he's kind of struts his stuff on the ice and uh, yeah. he's got a little attitude, but but he backs it up and his team exactly. ends up winning a lot.
1: Yep, and, and he's six foot, so he's got some size. Um, but just the fact that he's – he went out and won rookie of the year um, in the USHL, that's, that's a big honor. He put up some huge points um, in a real league. Like it's not like the um, Quebec Major Junior where everybody puts up points – USHL is a little more structured. Little, It's probably the second best North American Junior League. So, And then he's going to go to uh, North Dakota, which is obviously a really good hockey program. So I don't know. It just seemed like a theme where they're just going after, you know, forwards was obviously a huge theme because he went off. So you got uh, left winger at two. So center at one, left, left winger at, uh, in the round two, um, twice there they traded their third overall pick or third round pick which we'll get into but then they went defense center left wing defense center center so they need offense to start filling these gaps they need defense too um but they've got some defensive
2: guys coming up
1: a little bit not enough yet but unless unless they really hit on some of these picks that we didn't know about i guess um but i mean when you're in the middle of a rebuild that's what you need right you just fill with the best player available. Yep. And I think Eiserman did that, but it's not necessarily the best player available. It's his best player available. And I think that's um, really important. Uh, another thing that I want to talk on was the Huso trade. So Eiserman began day two of the uh, draft by addressing an immediate need for goaltending acquiring St. Louis Blues' Ville Huso. Uh, for a third-round pick, uh, number 73 overall, they went on and signed Huso for a th- for three years, 14.25 million dollars, or a 4.75 annual salary cap hit. Uh, last year, Huso uh, in 40 games played had 25 wins, seven losses, and six overtime losses, uh, two in a shootout. Um, pretty good numbers. I mean, he played in front of a good good St. Louis team, and that's what I think we need to figure out with with Nadelkovic, and Huso is. Yeah, they they can be very good goalies in this league, good enough goalies in this league. But until you start taking care of the puck defensively and having a, a solid structured defense in front of them, they're going to get exposed. They're going to have those bad games when the defense has the bad games. And they're both the type of goalie that when it starts – uh, when the floodgates open, it gets really bad, which we saw with Nedeljkovic, and I'm sure Huso's going to kind of fit that same model. But with Grice leaving, it was a much-needed thing. We need a second goalie in this league, or in this uh, organization. Obviously, is going to be in, in GR and working his way up. Um, but you have two younger guys um, ready to compete. I think they're, they kind of line up in the same age, um, talking Huso and Nedeljkovic. And you have two guys that believe they're number one, they just haven't been given that opportunity yet, so let them battle it out. It's completely different than the grice Nadalkovich scenario where everybody knew Grice was out the door, eventually he was far from the the the, the guy, and Nadalkovich didn't have to necessarily compete with him. Now you have a guy that they're going to truly be competing to be that number one guy, and I think that's really important to have as a goalie um, in, in this new NHL. You've got to have two goalies that you can trust um, because... Schedules get crazy, and you, you're going, you don't go back-to-back back very often, um, obviously, unless you have a top-five goalie in this league. So if you don't have a top-five, get a couple top-15s and, and see kind of how, how it plays out and hope that they turn into a little bit better. What stood out
2: to me a little bit about this, and not necessarily even just the player, but the transaction here. So they gave up a third-rounder for it, number 73 overall. But I think what made Eisenman okay with making that move is he had three fourth-round picks Following that, yep. Knowing that he could fill some of the needs that he gave up for that, yeah. If you know, there was a guy goalie. he
1: wanted to get back into the third round for, he would have. He, he saw he something in there, and he was just like, "I can get a true NHL guy." Yeah. Right so now. maybe
2: maybe he saw the depth of the of the draft really you know high in the fourth, fifth, and seventh rounds, like the, that kind of area. And he saw all the picks that he had, and was like, "Okay, well, you know, we can fill a lot of these depth guys later on. Let's go get somebody we want."
1: Mm-hmm. So you got, yeah. I mean, you got. Where we're going right now is you got Huso and Nedeljkovic heading into this um, season. So you have Huso actually at 27 years old, Nedeljkovic at 26. Um, Nedeljkovic's contract ends at the end of this year, um, so you gotta to you gotta find that bridge. And if you if Nedeljkovic is not that bridge to get to uh, Kosa, that's what he is. You know, like you have now two younger guys that can work their way through. But you have Kosa right there behind him yep. saying, hey, <laughs> you better do your job. Otherwise, you're going to be gone and, and lose your job to the kids. So um, that was kind of all I had. I don't have a whole lot. If you guys had questions that you wanted to ask me related to this, that's, that's great. But um, I didn't want to dig too much into free agency. I would love to. I didn't have the time. But it opens up on Wednesday. And it, I think it's going to be a really interesting offseason. It will tell us more what Eisenman thinks about – where this organization's at. I could see him making a little bit of a splash. Let's say he goes after um, Goudreau. Yeah, people are going to be like, Goudreau? This team's so far. Why would you go after Goudreau? Well, because two, three years from now, if you have a guy like that, that's really important. And we want to know what these other young guys can do when they're not playing above their pay grade, if you will. They're not top three forward. If you're not a top three forward, find someone to put. And, you know, like, like I say with Larkin, I know Goudreau's not a center, well, is he? I don't know. I guess I get confused with that. But if Larkin I don't think if I don't sure. think Larkin is a number one center, well then go get a number one center and prove that Larkin can be a good number two, and find and change his role, change his mentality of of what he is for this organization. Um, and you got to do it at some point. So I, why not now? And I'm not saying you're gonna go out and spend a bunch of money and make the playoffs and everything's gonna be fun and hunky-dory or anything like that but i want to see some progress and i think that's a good way to do it is going out and spending some money and you might do it with trades i, I don't know it'll be interesting to see what eisman decides to do but there's some good talent out there um but yeah we do got a comment brian thanks thanks for still watching he says uh so i asked brian what you liked about um what was it the dylan, kid's james. Name? dylan james he said he shoots the puck to score big kid battles to get the puck coach brian i hope you're right man i really do <laughs>
0: craft beer. In Michigan sports, we may not be the authority, but we love both like a fat kid loves cake. This is State of My Sports.
1: So obviously when we were gone last week, I feel bad because Micah was really looking forward to talking some of this uh, Big Ten expansion and all the craziness that's going on. And then when we canceled and then he was going to be gone today... But he can comment if he's watching, right? Should we call him? Yeah, no. I don't know how to do that. We we <laughs> used to have that. I should yeah, we get did. that back. and we can try like really phone not that calls very and hard, stuff. Yeah. It's really not. No. You guys figured it out when I was on vacation. Yeah, we so. did. Yeah. It was our <laughs> only way to do it.
2: It's the only thing we figured out the whole night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was almost two years ago. Um, but anyways, the NCAA is doing what they do. They're going crazy. Um, and a couple weeks ago now on June 30th, it was announced that USC and UCLA their their application to join the Big Ten were accepted, and they will be joining the conference in 2024. Yeah. Now,
3: chaos.
1: <laughs> so much Come chaos. On. chaos. I, mean, I love West I love Coast the games. Chaos. I do love the chaos. And yes, West Coast getting Are you kidding me? Big Ten football starting at ten o'clock. Yeah, the, the Sign players, me up. the players in the Big Ten are the happiest.
2: <laughs> you so, think so, oh yeah, they have to get they have forced to go out to California. <laughs> That's a good every point. single year. Yeah, oh, they're okay shucks. with that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Southern Cal again. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> oh all right. I'm going to be taking the California team every time. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I don't know how we want to do this. I'm, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep reading, and then we can kind of structure how we want this to go. Uh, the uni- unanimous vote. Today, back, back in on June 30th, signifies <laughs> 30th? 30th, um, the deep respect and welcoming culture our funny. entire conference has for the University of Southern California under the leadership of blah, 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 and the University of Cal um, under the blah, blah, Chancellor. blah. Um, that's what Kevin Warren said. Basically, welcoming them. Uh, blah, blah. Yeah, nobody really cares. <laughs> but I don't know even why. why. Uh, that was dumb. You could see that I was running out of time last night when I was doing this. But uh, the Pac-12 released a statement Thursday saying, we are extremely surprised and disappointed by the news of UCLA Uh and USC leaving. Um, And then somebody said, uh, this is a quote, he said, we just got Soonered and horned, a high-ranking university Mm -hmm. official at the Pac-12 schools told ESPN, referring to the decision made by Texas and Oklahoma to leave the Big 12 Conference for the SEC. Look, it is 100% money grab, let's be honest. Oh, it yeah. is what it is. Everybody knows the writing on the wall. Big Ten is negotiating a new TV deal with Fox, NBC, ESPN, whatever it's gonna be. And what they just did is went out and got, what, the second biggest market in the country? Yeah. And they already have the biggest with Rutgers, not that nobody cares <laughs> Nobody cares in New York about Rutgers, but, I mean, they have, this is going to be a massive TV deal. It is going to put the SEC's TV deal to shame. And look, we all know the SEC. It means more, blah, blah, blah. Right? That's cute. It means more. Well, <laughs> Big Ten has so much more money. Now, what are they going to do with that money? How are they going to use that to take the SEC on the field? That's what I want to know. How is all going to turn out? But it's a huge get. So let's start with what they did. They went out and got USC, UCLA. What are your guys' first thoughts on, on something like this?
3: I mean, U- USC is in like this huge transition too, right? Bringing in a new coach, and well, he got to bring his quarterback with him. There's high hopes. Uh, sounds like everybody in Southern California is excited right now. You see, Lincoln Riley went. Yeah. Okay. Um,
2: yeah, they're they're doing all right. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So recruiting I, is just fine over there right now.
3: Exactly. Um, man, that just opens up like exploitation in a way, and a whole new ball game with football. Um, so can teams in the Midwest now dip <laughs> their toes in these California, you know? Uh, yeah, who,
1: who, I mean, I, I think it'll be interesting to see. All right, so you get you go to California and you get players that want to play in Big Ten football. That's what Michigan and Ohio State do. Like they went and they do that. That's what people do. Yeah, come play Big Ten football. Well, they don't have to leave anymore to play, play Big Ten football. So I'm wondering if they're going to stay if you know those fringe guys are gonna stay and play in-state Big Ten football rather than come over, I'm wondering how this is all gonna play out. And I think that's what everybody's wondering is like, what is, how's this gonna end? Is it ever gonna end? How's it gonna work? <laughs> I think is another thing. But I mean, when you're when you're a Big Ten fan like we are, it's pretty cool. You just went out and got some two two big names. Oh yeah, I, I'm and perfectly fine with this. Yeah, are are they Oklahoma right now? No, they're not. Are they any of the big SEC teams? No, they're not. Are are they Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State right now? No, they're not. But it can change quickly. We saw how good they were at times, and then it fell off. Now UCLA a little different, but
2: how, I don't know. <laughs> just uh, Lincoln Riley just left Oklahoma, and, and he's and he's going to USC. So that's this a good is, point. This is not just like a, a an easy. I mean, this is very similar to the Oklahoma Texas acquisition for the secs And this was this was the Big 10's answer to it. it they was ha- they yeah. had to do something to answer and they obviously went to Oklahoma and Texas because of the market because of the big names, the their their TV ready teams, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, on the West Coast, they care about UCLA and USC. So they that that this was the Big 10's answer. I think it was perfect. It's it's exactly what they had to do. Um at this point, I don't care if like, what you think about, you know, like being a purist or whatever. This was the Big Ten staying relevant. And, and all the other conferences were going to try to do something like this or very similar if the Big Ten didn't. So um, at this point, Pac 12 wasn't doing those guys any favors. Mm-hmm. That, they just weren't. They, they, were, they were kind of the laughing stock of the Big Five or with the Big yeah. Four conferences or whatever. Uh, yeah,
1: I don't. I, it, it just feels like the way that this is going is it, it feels like it's going to just, Big Ten's going to keep taking teams. And the SEC is going to keep taking teams until there's nothing left to take, and I'm, yeah. I'm wondering what the heck's going to happen because you got you got. I mean, there was the report that Oregon and Washington applied for Big Ten as well, and they said, "Yeah, we're good for now." Now they're waiting for Notre Dame. They're waiting for other things to go down. But like,
3: probably Stanford as well. Yeah, Stanford as you well.
1: Know. It's like what? <laughs> this is getting pretty crazy. And I, I look, the unknown scares the crap out of me because I do like the tradition of college football. But at the same time, I hate the NCAA. I want it to basically make decisions or just be dissolved completely because they seem to not be willing to do that. So one or the other needs to happen, but with that, it's going to we're gonna lose the the tradition of college football, of what it is. The the purest, if you will. Not that I think it's pure, but like, you know, the what we think is pure of college football is Is so hanging on by a thread. Oh, it's it's already gone. (laughs) We're we're paying players, but like, (laughs) I mean, I gotta deal with 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 Trav. It's like he's talking about as long as Michigan and Ohio State play the last game of the season. It's like, really, like get rid of that. Like get rid of that mentality. You can't have that mentality in the new college football world. Get rid of everything you've ever been taught about college football. Throw it out the window and be ready to um, evolve. Or you're just going to be disappointed. And that's kind of what
2: I'm... You know what would be sick? You know what would be sick if Michigan and Ohio State played in the Big Ten Championship game? That meant something to go to the Final Four, you know? it would be pretty nice. I mean, and it
1: not be a back-to-back game? Yeah. Because that's what I keep saying. It's like, all right, so you want a t- the, to take the two best teams in the Big Ten. Okay, so you want Michigan and Ohio State to play each other in the Big Ten Championship, and then two weeks later play, play them in the last game of the season, then two weeks later play them in the Big Ten Championship? No. You don't want that. Nobody wants that. And then also, another way, this is just me, my brain running, other people talk about how, well, expand the playoffs, right? So then you got Michigan, let's use Michigan, Ohio State this year for an example, right? Or you can go back when Michigan lost to Ohio State. If you expand the playoffs, Michigan beats Ohio State, right? Goes to the Big Ten Championship and wins. They have that game. Ohio State loses to Michigan and then goes to the playoff, and they don't have that game in the middle. Who is that fair to? That's not fair to Michigan. It's not fair to Ohio. like.
2: Yeah, you need to have the structure. That game makes off sense. is
1: in that. Like, that's what we're gonna get rid of. Conference championship games. We're gonna be getting rid of. We're gonna expand the playoffs, and we're. It's going to be. A, hopefully, we get rid of bowl games. That's a joke of, of its own. But like, people are going to not like heading. Like when these decisions get made, they're not gonna like it, and I guarantee it. But for the long run, I think it's the right thing.
3: Yeah, it's kind of turning into like a strength of schedule basis now like back to that yeah. where where they didn't want to use that for the longest <laughs> exactly. time because oh that's not fair either to the the teams that go undefeated in order dame <clears throat> we're
1: gonna we're gonna have a computer telling us who's the best so, so they're in- gonna be like,
3: yeah so instead <laughs> it's just like the conferences <laughs> yeah. yeah grabbing the teams that can boost their conference strength and obviously too like man you're talking ucla and usc that's Probably ninety percent of the West Coast viewership fan base are rooting for those two schools. Like, forget Washington, Oregon. I mean Stanford. They're unique. Yeah, they fit. I think they fit in the Big Ten. I do too. Um, Especially if Notre Dame joins. Style of play for sure. You had those four schools would make things obviously very interesting uh, going forward. But um,
1: I think Washington does too. Washington fits the Big Ten. Yeah,
3: I think so. I think Oregon doesn't. They've played a few times. Yeah, Oregon, that's that, That's kind of the oddball, I think. Yeah. I, I don't know where they would end Which up. Which
1: I wouldn't hate it. Bring them in. Bring them on. Yeah. And I think that was a missed opportunity there. Because what you have now is Washington, Oregon. I mean, like, what are we, chop liver? here with the Big Ten saying, no, we're, we're all right for now. Now they're going to go jump ship to the SEC or um, the ACC or something like that. Whoever wants them, I guess. And, look, I think this is just the second well, – Probably the twelfth domino of 150 to fall at this yeah, point. this is only this the beginning. Is, it feels like it, right? things are falling apart. It's funny because I, I I told myself this is only the beginning heading in this, but I'm like I can't say that because this is also a reaction to what the SEC did, which was also a reaction to what other things that have happened. So it's just like yeah, it's it's just another domino, and this is gonna get gonna get pretty crazy. But it felt like a missed opportunity to not take Washington and Oregon. I'm just be like, all right. We'll figure out the logistics. Yeah, come on board, right? We don't need, this is going to be a uh, s show for the next five years, but we'll figure it out. Just come on board. We'll kick somebody out, or maybe we'll kick you out eventually. Like, the Big Ten's in control with that type of thing. Just say yeah, and then change your mind if you have to. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. You have players doing it, coaches doing it. So, I don't know, but...
3: According to Jarrett, Lincoln Riley came to the Big Ten because he was afraid of the SEC and didn't want to coach against those coaches. And the only coach he needs to worry about in the Big Ten is apparently Mel freaking Tucker. (laughs)
2: Solid solid contribution. Jarrett
1: Jarrett has such good uh, perspective on college uh, football. Yeah, those
2: Gators are probably going to be good this
1: year. (laughs) Probably better than last year. (laughs) That should be Kyle's new thing. Gators look strong this year. (laughs) (laughs) But, all right, so. average. how quickly is this gonna happen? Obviously we're waiting for Notre Dame. Is that the next downfall? fall is what Notre Dame's going to do? I know they're gonna hold on to independence as long as they can, but the Big Ten's gotta be just like, No, we need you now. Like come now. Man, that come would come now. A huge because difference. that would that would almost I don't want to say double what we're already gonna get with this billion dollar deal, but it can that'll add a crap ton of value. And I think you gotta treat Notre Dame like you kinda do children because they think that they It has to be their way, but you need to convince them that it was their idea without convincing them, like without them knowing that you're actually being the puppet master. That's what I think the Big Ten needs to do. What they need to do for
2: Notre Dame is give give them an out. Give them a special contract where you're like, you know, because you're so special, because you're amazing, just like what you're saying, like praise them along the way, say we'll give you three games of your choice to keep. Out of all your like, you know, "quote unquote" uh, classics. Or yeah. Their, their matchups yep. that they want to hold on to year after year. Yep. And then um, once
1: they get a taste, then you'll be like, "All right, you have USC's
2: to- coming on board, though."
1: Yeah, that's true. You. Oh, that's a good point. That's a big rivalry. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it. I think that's all that this is waiting for. As soon as Notre Dame makes this decision and finally joins a conference, which they better. Nope. If this is going to expand and things are going to fall into place the way this is, once that happens, I feel like oregon washington stanford like that's when you're going to be like all right floodgates are open let's go we're redoing this we're controlling it and big 10 champion is going to be national champion sec champion is going to be national championship champion until you figure out how to really you know change the the way that this has all worked i guess i don't know
2: notre dame uh, what are the rumors right now? What are, what's the latest on Notre Dame? Are they still talking Big Ten? Are they talking Pac-12? Are they talking like – Well, it would be, are, are other be ACC
1: or Big Ten, it sounds like. Those are the, the two options. I think so, yeah, because they already have that agreement with the ACC, right, where they play like four games. Isn't That's who it is, right? I believe so, yeah. And obviously we're talking about this as a football standpoint. It changes – basketball and all of the school nobody cares about anything other sport other than basketball and football when it comes to college sorry but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the heck bro <laughs> <laughs> you got the you got uh usc ba- baseball in the big 10 <laughs> yeah dang yeah. <laughs> good for the big everything's gonna start over there and ucla too Jeez,
3: yeah. i think ucla has a really strong like women's softball program i'm pretty that's sure that's
1: a good point. So, dang. Yeah. You know, and, I mean, basketball, USC has been pretty solid the last several years. Yeah. Actually, like, make some noise. The CLA
2: girls are good at volleyball, probably, too. It's, it's going to be crazy. Beach volleyball.
1: I don't know. It's just the, again, the tip of the iceberg of what, what this is going to turn into. Um,
3: it is just wild to think Big Ten West Coast, you know? Big yeah. Ten West Coast. Like, I don't know.
1: It's they could finally have an East West. Like, that
2: makes sense. <laughs> right? Right. They just got to <laughs> r-
1: decide to do it. Um, but, all right. Sorry, where am I at? Oh, we're going to jump to our betting hero segment. You guys give with that? Yeah.
0: Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. State of my sports.
1: Ryan, can you explain betting hero to our listeners?
2: Bettinghero.com, promo code MIBETS. Uh, it's, it's just our, our opportunity that we're giving you to make some money.
1: They, we're giving that to
2: you Yeah this is your opportunity to make free money They just, they just outline all the best promo codes available So whether there's a big fight coming uh, The football game is starting up pretty soon here You, you, you really want to look at the Tigers And probably take that loss uh, Go ahead and take the free money uh, MIBets Is the promo code for bettinghero.com
1: Perfect So what we're going to do is We're going to strike up the music
2: You're first there
1: that's our that's, that's our draft. Yeah, that's better. I won the wheel of names spin, so I'm gonna go first. Ryan is gonna go second. Hey, look at that. And John is going to go third, and he'll probably win with his second back-to-back pick.
3: Back-to-backs.
1: All right. So what we're gonna do is, I want you guys, if you can, to read the the odds too. Once once you tell me your player, right? But I'm going to go first, and my pick is in. Where's the sounder? There it is. Scotty Scheffler John <laughs> At <laughs> 16 to 1 odds
2: <laughs> Not bad Not a bad pick Thanks man Appreciate Being it safe I
1: appreciate that
2: Um, Alright pick is in I thought I'm going Jordan Spieth
1: Spieth at 16 to 1 as well Yep 16 to 1 Going there Nice John Who's going to win this thing
3: <laughs> Alright my back to back picks are in
1: They were
2: in at the beginning
1: <laughs> This has got his first
3: At 25 to 1 give me Colin Morikawa
0: Woo
1: Alright
3: My second pick Only cause he's still hanging out there Give me Rory Take Give me him. Rory
1: Take him I don't want him
2: Nice.
3: Multiple runner-ups in the he open. He is
1: the favorite at nine. Nine to, to one.
3: one. I should have shared those.
1: All good. You said twenty-five to one. Sounds good. Ryan, you're on the clock.
2: Pick is in. Going Shane Lowry. Lowry. Twenty-two to one.
1: At Twenty-two to one. Yep. My picks. RN. I'm gonna go Rom. And.
3: At 14 to 1?
1: At 14 to 1. (laughs) And I'll go. (laughs) Thomas. Thomas At 18 to 1. You don't want the Fitzpatrick? No. Do you?
3: We should all pick a fifth guy, but they have to be ranked like. Fifty or worse.
1: We should actually set some rules up for this, dude. <laughs> I know. We, <laughs> we really should. Really we that. really
3: do need to bracket them, where you can only take one from like the top ten. Oh, well, that's a good one idea. From the next time. Yeah, we should do. You should set this up for next time. All right. Is
1: there another uh, major? Yeah, this year. After this.
3: I don't think so. Isn't it just the FedEx Cup? The U.S.
1: Opens done. The Players is done. Masters is done. Masters. Is, yeah, you're right. This is the last one. All right, Ryan. You're on the clock.
2: All right, pick is in. Going Victor Hovland.
1: At how many odds? 40 to 1. Wow, there's some big names still on the board. Letting John. You, I'm letting you just take it. You got back to back. I mean, I'm going to take the best odds. I mean, it makes the most sense. <laughs> Actually, I haven't taken Xander, though. But John's That's because Xander's always been bad for you. I know. He drives me. I've lost so much money on him. It's yeah. unreal. I'm still bitter about him. But I'm also bitter about Chef. Or No. Rom, I think it was Rom last time that I lost on that. Yeah, I I
2: took Rom too, and he didn't do well. I think he missed the cut for me.
3: Back-to-back picks are in. I got to roll with him again. Will Zalatoris? He's due for a major. And my last pick. Give me Tommy Fleetwood, thirty-five to one.
1: Ooh, Fleetwood. Alrighty.
2: Alright, my my last pick, right? Last pick. Fourth. Is in.
1: Uh, 25 to one, Cameron Smith. Very, very nice. And for my last pick, which is in. I'm going to go back to the thing that hurts me the most Brooks Kepka. Got to go live. Got to go live at some point. Is nice. that the only live guy I got? Scheffler, Rom, Thomas, Kepka. That's my only live guy, right? Perfect. I need one. Nobody took Dustin Johnson?
4: No.
3: Or Xander Shoffley. Yeah. He's been playing good lately.
1: Uh, 14-1. to He's still on the board. Fitzpatrick, who just won the U.S. Open at 18-1. to Still there. I think we should give Micah the, the top four odds left, right? Yeah, let's do it. You want to? Yeah, let's just do it. All right. So Micah's pick's he in a with... Good team. Xander. So he's get Xander, Fitz, Again. Cameron Smith is gone. Cantley and DJ. Good job, Micah. His picks are we're in.
2: <laughs> your, your team's better than mine. <laughs> yeah,
3: way better than the four picks I got stuck <laughs> he's with. He's going
1: to win this hands down. So what we got to do is like, all right. So if you miss the cut, you get seventy-five points. And then other than that, wherever you finish, you get that amount of points. Whoever has the lowest score wins out of the four. Oh, okay. Does that work? Does that make sense? 75, a good number? Uh, Sure. What's the (laughs) cut usually? How many people make the cut?
3: Like 72 golfers, I think.
1: All right, so we'll do 75. 75 points if you miss the cut. And then wherever you finish in rankings, you get that number. Whoever has the lowest number out of the... Yeah, I'm game. Does that work?
3: Something like that. It's It's like an odd number, though, because the cut changes. It's like the top top half or 75 points Closest and then the
2: rest to. will be lower do you have anybody that you're looking at like a yeah from 100 to one or lower
3: Ooh. um
2: got some names on there
3: yeah cameron young is 80 to one that's kind of like a, a a name i would keep an eye out mark leishman he's just the old dog in the in the in the mix at 80 to one as well but let's yeah let's shift over to these other two
1: Paul Casey,
3: yeah, he's sneaky. Patrick
1: Reed in '91, that ain't bad. Uh, no, People love that guy, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: Jordan Smith.
1: What, what did you think um, about the them telling saying that? Um, what's his face? Couldn't couldn't come to the uh, the leader of the live tour. What Phil? Oh, and Greg no, Norman. Yeah, Norman. They they told me he was uninvited. Yeah, he's won what three of these?
3: Probably. Is that what I heard? I don't. Man. know. Man, I'm trying to look. Um,
1: Nobody in the hundred to one odds.
3: Christian Budenholz, I don't know, just kind of kind of got a cool name. <laughs> yeah, Mido, crushing the name, yeah, Mito Piera.
1: What about Kevin P- Na? He's Puer- had a yeah. good run here and there. Is this is this course not, uh, not no. really his go-to? He
3: just made a bunch of money going to live golf as well. Oh, did he? Yeah, um, I think he's just disliked throughout the PGA because he takes so long to hit the ball. <laughs> I mean, Phil's sitting at two hundred to one. That's crazy. Um, I bet he doesn't even make the cut. No, he probably won't. He's just again he made just a bunch a of money. Wash. it's it's funny. Henrik Stenson won it a few years ago and shot a really, really low score, and he's sitting there at 201. He kind of fell off after that tournament, too. But that's that's golf, man. You win one big tournament, you can be done for the rest of your life.
0: Drinking craft beer, having fun, and talking sports in the state of Michigan. <laughs> You're listening to State of My Sports.
1: Once again, we are at the Hobbs Brewing Company and Cafe. Huge shout-out to them. We love being here. Got the picture on the wall that John was just pointing out. They got some nice... I like their logo. It's nice. It looks really good on our on our softball jerseys.
3: Looks really good on Ryan's yeah. hat.
1: And the hat. Look at the hat. Yep. I almost wore with my jersey today Look just for that. fun. Did you? Yeah, I probably should have. That would have been funny. But um, today we're drinking uh, Black Talon Hard Seltzer um, with what flavor?
3: Pomegranate. Pomegranate,
1: <laughs> which their uh, Black Talon Hard Seltzer is 5.2% alcohol by volume, made with our 104 calorie premium house made hard seltzer. So they have a base. You add the flavor, and you can add as much or as little as you want. You don't which think is, it's real pomegranate? Great.
2: What's that? You don't think mm-hmm.
1: it's real pomegranate? No, it's syrup.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, it would be really healthy if it was. But yeah?
1: Yeah. should probably juice some pomegranates yeah, you and then should. put it in there. Yeah. That'd be really good. Good luck with that. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I
3: wonder if some of those options on the menu are like a mix of flavors. It might so, be. You know?
1: So what they have on the, the menu, at least, they have Moscow Mule, Lemon Lime Margarita, Mai Tai, Strawberry Lemon Daiquiri, Polynesian Tropical Infusion, Guava Passion Fruit Infusion. Uh, we obviously had this one. They had Raspberry down there. They had Tequila. Down there? I was a little nervous for that. I, I was thinking about it, but <laughs> I don't have the guts to do that. It was just a tequila flavor. I like tequila, but I, I don't know. It just didn't seem like it would fit for me, but I probably should have tried it. Sounds like a headache. Yeah, and then there was another one. There was ginger. Ginger was down there.
3: Oh, it's probably how they make that mule one. Yeah, Mary, Mary- Marianne, yeah, Marianne <laughs> right. was down there, too, I think.
1: <laughs> 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 no, but um, I, I mean, it, it's a seltzer, but... I, it's, it's good. I like the base. I think it's smooth. Um, obviously, the flavors are, are solid. You can pick which one you want. So pomegranate was, was a good choice by you, John. So, I mean, what kind of grade would you give this?
3: I feel like I've lost my man card in the last few months because, <laughs> like, I have sipped on some seltzers outside of uh, the, the norm of light domestic beer and the occasional Tuesday or Monday night craft beer night. Um, so, I don't know. I'm, I'm new to the seltzer game. Yeah. So I don't know where I would like start this bar compared to the two <laughs> other brands that I've tried. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, um, it's tough. They're all kind of one and the same. I don't know. I'm just gonna give it an oddball number of a seven point three.
1: It's a good score. Yeah. For a seltzer, I, I, I mean, I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna go seven point three as well. Oh, it perfect. tastes good. Seltzers aren't really my go-to, but I just it felt like necessary today.
3: I just know that some mornings after the podcast, uh, I feel a little <laughs> when a little you drink lackluster. double hutch like we do, oh my <laughs> yeah. goodness. I would take a week off. That'll, yeah. Maybe yeah, I'll uh, save that for taco Tuesday and stop oh, up here tomorrow.
1: I might I might have to stop yeah, up here tomorrow.
2: I wish I could.
1: That sounds really good. You can not Oh, that's right. You got your thing going. Yep. Hey. Some people's people's kids, I guess. My own decision. That was episode 164. Thank you guys for recording. Thank you all for watching. Thank you guys for listening after the fact. um, Please share us with your friends. Help us grow. Um, Just really appreciate everything you guys do. I will talk to you next week, if not sooner.
0: Peace. You've been listening to State of My Sports. From the Red Wings to the Lions to the Tigers to the Pistons to Michigan and Michigan State and everything in between, we're talking about it. And don't forget the beer. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch at State of My Sports with an M-I. We'll see you next time.